What's up, Videolanders? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins. Tonight, I talked with a very special guest. I talked with Mike Pasquale. Mike is responsible for finding and rescuing the workshed from one of my favorite movies of all time, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. I hope you enjoy this groovy conversation. Don't forget to check us out on our website, adventuresinvideoland.com, or on our Facebook page, Adventures in Videoland. And without further ado, please welcome Mike Pasquale. Welcome to Videoland, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What's going on, man? Not much. How's it going over there? Oh, not too bad, man. So you're in Pennsylvania, is that correct? I'm actually uh, on the border of PA and West Virginia, so... Well, how's the, how's the weather? You got a pretty bad storm, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yesterday, a uh, lot of ice. Really? Of it. Oh, yeah. Now, you... The whole west side of PA was covered. Covered in ice? Man, I, hate, I tell you what, man. I hate snow. I cannot stand snow. I don't even know why I'm still in the Midwest. Oh, I don't know why I'm here. I'd rather be in Brazil right now. Stay there. <laughs> If I ever hit the lottery, man, I'm going to go to either Hawaii, California, something, man. I can't stand this cold. Absolutely. But you know what? I'm an Indiana boy at heart. You'll see me going to Walmart in basketball shorts. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. That's how I do it. <laughs> now, Mike, you have a very unique Evil Dead story. Um, so before I get into asking you your questions and you telling the story, I have a, I have a question I need to ask you. In life, you I met two kinds of guys. Evil Dead guys and Army of Darkness guys. So with the work shed story kind of put to the side, which one are you? Which movie do you prefer? Evil Dead over all of them. Evil, oh, I'm sorry, Evil Dead 2 over all of them. So I'm more of an Evil Dead guy. You're, you're a good guy. That's, that's where I line up too, man. Now, what's your first memory of the Evil Dead franchise? Actually, uh, ironically, Army of Darkness is my first memory of Evil Dead. Tell me about um, that. Well, I saw the movie probably when I was about eight, nine years old, Army of Darkness, I mean, and I was obsessed with it. I, I just, I don't know why, but I just watched it over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I was probably 13 or 14, my brother's best friend moved in next door to us. And he had come over one day, and I was watching Army of Darkness, of course. It was actually my first DVD that I had ever bought was Army of Darkness. Oh, that's awesome. When DVD player, so when DVD players came out, they released Army of Darkness, and I was the first one, and I was watching it. And he and this guy had come over, and he said, have you ever seen Evil Dead 2? And I said, no. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know there was a prequel to Army of Darkness. So then when I saw I saw everything completely in reverse. And then it all kind of made sense that there was this, when I was watching Army of Darkness, there was a story before it, and then, you know, him him getting sucked out of a cab. And then when I finally saw Evil Dead 2, everything made sense. <laughs> that's that's great. So you, you figured out why he was where he was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, man, I can't. It only took like five years to figure it out. That's funny. That's funny. Well, dude, I cannot wait just to kick back here. I tell you what, I got my coffee. I have my Gremlins slippers on. I'm just going to kick back and I'm going to let you tell me your story because I've been wanting to do this since I think we got together last September and just some things happened where we couldn't uh, make this episode, uh, just we couldn't get it done and we're here tonight. So you have such an interesting story, man. You rescued the work shed from one of my favorite movies, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. So take us back all the way to the beginning. Operation Evil Dead Uproot, how did you locate the work shed, and what condition was it in? Well, I mean, before the work 
watershed project came to my into my head, like I started building chainsaws, and I just you know I built myself one, and I liked the way it turned out, and I put a lot of effort into it. I I was very detailed in how I did it, so I made a couple of them, and I sold them on eBay. And I thought, oh, this is a nice way to make money on the side. So I made a bunch of them, and to date, I've made sixty-seven of them. Oh wow! But prior to that, um, I was talking to one of my customers out of Australia, and he had mentioned him wanting a piece of like parts from the works from the or not from the workshop, but just from the cabin from Evil Dead Two. A few years prior to me coming up with the chainsaws and all that stuff, I mean, I've been obsessed with Evil Dead ever since, you know, nine years old up until now. I had did a lot of research into figuring out where the cabin was. And because my my whole idea, my original idea, I wanted the the frame for the wind, the two front windows and the front door so that I can remodel them into a wall in my house and make like one wall the face front face of the cabin that's cool so and that was my original plan and that was five years ago now did you get to do that is that what the the inside of your house looks like with that one wall well i I can do that if i want but (laughs) um i don't have the room for it right now so what i did i started just doing research online trying to figure out where the cabin was even located in the first place and I, you know, came down to the point to where I knew that it was filmed in North Carolina. I knew it was filmed on the property where the color purple was. But the the issue I was having was trying to get permission. So, and finding out exactly who owns the property, where's it at, are these people even still around? Was that hard? So, to, was that hard to actually find to get that information? Oh uh, well, here's exactly how I did it. Was I remember being at work one day. And I started just Googling, like, representatives of uh, the area around Wadesboro, North Carolina. So I called the mayor of Wadesboro, and his name was Bill Thacker at the time. I don't He might still be the mayor today. I don't know. This was <laughs> five, five, six years ago. And he actually took my call, started talking to me, and he, he understood what I was talking about because he said to me, it's funny that you're calling and asking about this because my son at the time when that movie was filmed was actually in high school. And part of his high school pro- construction project was assisting the construction of the set. Oh, wow. Cool. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. So he gave me his son's phone number. I called his son. And... He, the, the people in North Carolina are real nice. I'll talk to you about anything. That <laughs> sounds like it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I call his son. I talk to him. And he's telling me all about this uh, project and everything. And everything's jiving with what his dad was saying. And he had told me he's actually really, really close to the property right now. He'll give me the address. He was actually driving near the property when I was talking to him on the phone. Oh, cool. So, as he was going down the road, he gave me the name of the road, the house number. I took that information and did a reverse lookup on the house to find an owner's name, got the owner's name, and I was able to get a phone number from that. Oh, well, you really did your homework on this then. Yeah, it was a pain. (laughs) (laughs) So, then I uh, started screenshotting satellite photos of the area of the property. 
and uh, got them ready for this big phone call I had to make to the owners of the property. And I got them on the phone. It took a couple tries. It was actually the wife who had answered the phone. And they're an elderly couple. They're real, real nice. She talked to me for probably an hour and a half. Just, I don't know if she was bored or what, but she talked to me all about the color purple and Evil Dead being built on her property and everything. They weren't the original owners at the time when it happened. They had purchased the property after, after the, well after the filming. They've owned the property now for about 20 years. Okay. But um, I was asking her, you know, mainly about Evil Dead 2, and I'm just building up rapport with her to the, to the point to where I can ask her, hey, do you care if I come down? And just take a couple of pieces with me. And she had told me that I could take whatever I want. She oh actually asked gosh. me if I had fallen down and hit my head <laughs> and everything. Because she thought I was crazy for even wanting to come to see a bunch of wood in the woods. Wow, that is awesome. Because I, I could see some people, I could see a lot for a lot of people, that conversation not going well. You know, where they just see that it's some obsessed horror fan. and But they, they were very inviting to you. Very. And I mean... She was to the point to where we were on the phone so long um, that she was actually telling me stories about her family and how she wants to kill her brother-in-law. Oh, that's awesome. So she gave me the permission, and I told her, you know, I didn't know when I was going to go down. I just needed initial permission. That was five years ago. Five years later, I'm building chainsaws. I get this customer in Australia who bought a chainsaw off of me. He's obsessed with Evil Dead. He wants me, and I, he, he knows about the story about how I know where the cabin location is. And he, <clears throat> excuse me, he had asked me if there would be any way that I would be willing to go down there and just get him a couple of pieces. Well, I, I was hesitant about it. I mean, I wasn't traveling all the way to North Carolina just for a couple pieces of wood. So I ended up, calling these people anyway and i didn't think that she was going to remember me and she did she remembered our conversation like it was yesterday it was five years five years later oh man and still the same people owning the same property so you lucked out then no one ever set foot on that property and was going to do what you did oh yeah oh that's lucky man when i got a hold of her she had told me the person that i really needed to talk to about coming down there and taking stuff was her husband and she told me, you know, just call back in a couple hours. When I did, I called back. I got her husband, Ronnie, on the phone. These are the two nicest people I've ever met. Very welcoming. And, I mean, when I asked him, hey, can I come down and take a couple things, he told me, take whatever I want. Oh, man. <laughs> so, but, well, the problem was he had told me that I needed, to, if I was coming down, I needed to come down as soon as possible because um, they own about, I want to say, 90 I think it was 97 acres of that property. Wow, that's a lot of property. It's huge. Beautiful property, too. And they had hired a um, logging company to come in and start stripping this one area of the property where the the cabin's located and to get all the wood out of there because they wanted to use the grounds for uh, irrigation because where the cabin sits is in a low-level part of the property or it's real wet. It's like a, almost kind of like a marsh almost. So they wanted that to, you know, benefit them. So the cabin is at stake of being destroyed. So I told him, 
okay, I want to plan to come down. I'll give you a call back. It was about a month later to where during that month I sat there and thought, and I'm watching, you know, videos of people who had gone down there and seeing the shed and everything and seeing the cabin. And I knew it was on the ground at that point. And I I called him back and said, would you mind if I take that there's a shed down there? He, He didn't know what was down there. The whole time he owned the property, he had led people to the entrance of the woods. He just never went down and looked to see what was there. So was this guy a, was this guy a movie fan? Because they live in the no, the color purple hate, house, right? They they hate anything that has to do with horror. Okay, they could they could care less. That cabin could have burned up, and they could have looked the other way and not cared. Do they have a lot of trespassers that you know just weren't as cool as you and, and trying to actually call and, and and set things up, just kind of trespassing on their property? Yeah, they've had people uh, try to get through the woods in their property from the main road. Um, they they have kicked people off the property because at the like at the time it, when they were telling me the story five years ago, it was a working farm with electric fences and cattle and everything else. They didn't want anybody down there, so I mean it was really just just a, a burden on them just to have anybody you know come and bother them. Yeah, I could see how that'd be annoying. Yeah. And, well, not only that, they got bothered more about the color purple because the the (laughs) movie The Color Purple was filmed, they live in that house. So Steven Spielberg, all the stuff that he did to that property, they're still using to this day. Man. Even even the barn that has running water is because Steven Spielberg put that in. Wow, that is cool. Um, But... Like I said, they, they told me, come down as soon as possible because they're going to be ripping it all out of there. Or not ripping it out of there, but it's going to get destroyed to where to the point to where I'm not going to be able to get down in there. So he had told, when I asked him, can I take the whole shed? He said, I could take whatever I want, but he said, let me go down there and make sure it's still standing and everything. Because he said he's never seen it himself. He's just, he knows the general area in the woods where it's at. He's never gone down into it. So he called me back about three hours later and said, well, you're right. There is a shed down there. There's a, there's a, he called it a house. It's on the ground, the cabin. Um, and I knew that from, you know, previous photos of other people going down there. So he said, if you want to take that shed, you're more than welcome. I don't know how you're going to do it. And I already had an idea on how I was going to do it. Um, I was planning on doing this all by myself. But in, at the, in the first place, so I figured it would be kind of easy to do, but that was not the case at all. So <laughs> I called a friend of mine who doesn't say no to anything, and he said, let's go. So we, I rented a car at the Pittsburgh airport. I loaded it up with every tool that I could think of. <laughs> I even bought rattlesnake bite stuff because I was warned to get before I went down there to bring rattlesnake stuff, you know, because <laughs> they're everywhere. Did you, did you see any when you were uh, disassembling the shed? Not one. Thank <laughs> God. Because at the time we went down there, uh, it was April 1st and 2nd and they would have just started to come out. And so they were still, it was still kind of cold at okay. that time because of the way the winter was going up there. It was still, pretty chilly so they were they were still underground at the time we were there luckily but so we rented the car we drove all the way to north carolina it was eight and a half hours i dropped the car off in charlotte north carolina and picked up a 24 foot moving truck 
grabbed that, loaded it up with all our tools from the rental car, and headed toward their house. And we got there the next morning, and I met the owner for the first time. Super, super nice guy. Um, he told us to follow him in his truck. He would take us down to where it is. And uh, where, the ca- where the cabin is is in a remote part of the woods on the property that is right up against a cornfield, what used to be a cornfield. And we had to follow the line of this electrical fence down to where the entrance was to get down into it. The work shed actually only sits about 10 yards from the tree line. That's how close it was to the open fields. Oh, wow. So. Well, were you happy with the condition of the work shed? Well, when I first got down in there, um, I was, but I wasn't. Uh, You could tell a lot of people had been down there and just stripped it. Oh, uh, man. Not completely. I mean, there was a lot of boards missing off the front, but that's a story for later here in this segment. Um, because a, a lot of it, 90% of it was recovered from who, all the guys that took it. Okay. Was that, was that hard? To, well, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So what about, <laughs> what about the cabin? Was that, uh, you could, you, uh, you know, keep any of that or was it pretty much destroyed? Uh, the, the, I mean, my, like I said, my original plan was to remove, the front windows and the front door and the framing from them. Uh, the front door was already gone, but the problem was the cabin was on the ground. The whole front of the cabin, all the way to the kitchen area, was sunken into the ground. It completely collapsed. Man. And the reason it collapsed is the exact reason why they want this property stripped is for the irrigation. There's actually a small stream that runs underneath of the cabin now because of the flooding that goes through there. Wow. Uh, I found behind the cabin following this dried up stream you could tell like all the flood water where it washed everything away i found chunks of the living room wall about 300 feet out from the back door of the cabin man just so when it collapsed it all collapsed underneath the floor and just got washed out from underneath the back of the cabin so it's on the verge of collapsing now the whole the whole thing um but when we got down in there, I realized, you know, okay, there's a lot that we can get out of here. Uh, the whole back of the cabin, you can still walk through. Uh, we have to enter through a bedroom door, which would have been, if you remember the movie, uh, the door where Professor Noby's ghost face showed up. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. We've come in through, well, that was on the set in the high school, but to give you an idea of what, which room, we have to go in through that window turn left and you can go into the other bedroom and then into the back hallway where the bathroom and everything was. That was pretty much the only areas of the interior of the cabin that you can get into. Um, everything that was left from everybody who did already take stuff, we I stripped everything. The floors, the walls, the rear door frame, um, any window parts that I could find. I did find uh, one window it was. It looked like it was intact. It was from the living room wall. Uh, if you're walking into the cabin and turn right next to the left of the fireplace, there was a window there. It had fallen out as the cabin collapsed, but it laid on the ground and it pretty much rotted. I was able to reassemble it. Oh, cool. um, I brought it home in 40 pieces and <laughs> was able to put it back together using the original paint lines of where everything lined up. Um, did you find anything cool inside the cabin that they might have left during the uh, you know filming of the of the movie? A couple things, like uh, 
bunch of old Mountain Dew bottles, like glass stuff, uh, stuff that ain't from the 80s. And oh, that's cool. There was even a, a pop can from some kind of a, uh, I can't remember what it was called. I've never heard of it. It was some kind of a Michigan-based company. But there was this like collection of this stuff in this one back bedroom where you could tell the, the, the crew, whoever built it, threw their garbage and stuff just to keep it out of camera sight. What about uh, what about Linda's Coles? Uh, was there anything like that left behind? Oh, there was tons of it. Um, a lot of it has sunken into the ground, but uh, we were I recovered probably about 300, 400 pounds of it. Wow. Um, yeah, we brought home a ton of it. There's still a, a ton of that still there. Um, I mean, there's a lot of really big ones, like the size of basketballs, but <clears throat> excuse me, everything that's sitting on the surface, we took. Um, but we even metal detected the entire thing down there really just recovered stuff like nails and a couple pennies and stuff like that man you really you went all out man <laughs> that's yeah, that's we really cool very very prepared i <clears throat> i knew that we were going to be there for two days um then that was the other part of like the hospitality of the, the owners of the property while we were there as we were back in the truck in to the uh, fence line it was pouring down rain when we got there and the owner told us if we're staying in town tonight, not to take the truck with us, to leave the moving truck there, nobody's going to bother it. He wanted us to actually use his personal vehicle to take it into town, do what we got to do, and stay the night in town, wherever, and use that to come back in the morning. So he actually gave us his truck. That is super cool. He just handed us his keys and said, here you go. Man, you really lucked out with this whole thing, didn't you? Yeah, he... he he wouldn't take no for an answer. He wouldn't take any money. I've tried. <laughs> wow. He, I mean, he, even, he wouldn't even tell me what his favorite restaurant was because he knew I was going to try to buy him a gift card. <laughs> wow. That is super impressive, man. It is. And, <laughs> I mean, and the work shed, getting that out of there, I knew that was going to be hell. Um, when I first saw it, I didn't realize how big it was. I really, I kind of wanted to give up walking into the woods. But uh, when I saw the front of it, I knew a lot of it was missing and a lot of it could be, you know, replicated. So what I did, my original plan, when I had talked to the owner, I said, do you mind if I take a couple of boards off of the cabin to replace what's missing on the shed? And that's when he said, take whatever you want. So the story goes real deep. (laughs) Um, So uh, we started labeling the work shed. So every board that would come off would go back where it came from. So, you know, the left was side A, back was B, C, and then the front was D. And everything had, was labeled A, 1, 2, 3, all the way up. So we just started labeling and then dismantling until we were down to the shell. Um, when I went to put a ladder up on the back of the work shed and started climbing up, climbing up it, after all the wood was stripped off, the only thing that was left was the roof. The whole thing collapsed. And there was nothing left of the frame. The frame—it's weird because the workshed rotted from the inside out. Wow! Which didn't make sense, but um, whatever ate or all the termites ate—they—they they ate through four by fours. I even stepped on one, and it just split in two. Every the whole frame of the workshed turned to dust. Damn! So when it fell onto the ground, I said, "Okay, to hell with it. We're not taking the frame with us, obviously." Because it was just trashed, but we did, you know, measure everything out before it handed it, before it fell. And I was able, we were able to get the roof off. Um, 
sheet by sheet. It was, it probably took about two hours just to take, get all the nails out of the roof and, you know, get all the sheets off. And once that was all loaded up, that's when we started dealing with the cabin. Now, was, was it, um, was it built, you know, like, was it built good? Was it, a, was it a good structure to begin with? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was very, like, I was surprised the stuff that they used to build the shed, um, and the, the, what they did, did to it to make it look the way it did, um, there's actually pictures online of the top frame of the, the roofing of the workshed on my website. They What's that website called point. for, for just for our listeners? I'm sorry. Say that again. What's the website called for our listeners? Evil dead workshed.com. Right on. So if you're looking at this photo that I have up there, um, the, the framing for the workshed was actually built to make it look like the roof was sagging. So they would build a, you know, this, a tent, if you would, a, you know, 3D triangle and then cover it with the sheet metal. But on the top of it, they actually bowed the wood downward and then back upward in order to make it look like when the roofing was on, that the roof was actually sagging, like it had been there for a long time. And the workshed and the cabin were built for the movie. And they built the, the workshed pretty solid. It was built with six by sixes and four by fours. Okay. But it, it was, uh, it was old barn wood that they had actually gone out and scavenged and reused it to build this thing. So it was pretty, I was surprised the way it was built, but I mean, obviously it wasn't taken care of over the years and people had stripped it and taken, you know, vital pieces of it, the front door. And there's actually a door above the front door it's like a loft door that you can't really see on the movie, but if you look close enough, it's actually hanging open in the movie. Now, because some of the movie was filmed at the school, correct? Yeah, uh, all the interior shots of the cabin were filmed in the school, except a couple. Um, if you notice, whenever Ash crashes the car into the tree and he starts running into the cabin, he runs into the cabin in North Carolina, and in the woods, the actual physical cabin. As he is running from the force it's chasing him he's looking back at it he goes through the front door of the cabin and then goes into the hallway and closes the door behind him that's where they cut the camera and then reshoot in the school where he's in the actual hallway of the set in the school and he's running around the uh interior of the cabin going through behind the bathroom walls and stuff and then ultimately out into the living room and then when the force is looking left and right, panning the camera, looking for Ash, who's now hidden, the camera faces the floor, they cut, and the camera looks back up, and they're backing out of the cabin in north in the woods in North Carolina. Okay. And the other shot that was uh, filmed inside of the actual cabin, which I have the, the cabin's front door, you can actually see how they... Uh, blasted through it is when the force is right before ash is uh, thrown through the trees the force comes through the back door down the hallway through that door which i also i have that door where do you put that i mean where's this at in your is it at your house is it in storage it's all in my basement that's so cool man (laughs) and out the front door and that, that that was the only shot two shots that were filmed in the actual cabin wow so there's no, so there's no seller. No, there was never <laughs> a, a seller. It was actually uh, a video on my website of me crawling through the front living room of the cabin 
the whole roof came down onto the floor. Wow. So I'm able to crawl through that whole tunnel of the, the eaves of the roof. And when you're, when I was in there looking, I actually filmed the location of where the floor or where the uh, cellar door would have been. And it's obviously not there, but I do have the floorboards from where it would have been. Wow. You know, that's so interesting because I'm a huge Evil Dead, you know, 2 fan. It's it's in my top 10 movies of all time. And I, I never knew that. I, I, I actually try to stay away from, like, most movie magic, you know. Um, I, I kind of agree with uh, Steven Spielberg. Like, you look at all of his uh, special, you know, features. There's there's never, like, behind the scenes, like, how Spielberg directs things. And so that's kind of where I line up to. I always try to stay away from uh, the movie magic, you know. And I never knew that about Evil Dead. That's pretty interesting that there was no seller in there. No, they all they did, um, there is a small shot whenever they are running through the cabin with the camera and they blast through the uh, hallway door. Before they go out the front door, if you look to the right, you can see a chain laying on the floor, but that's all it is. It's just a chain laying on the floor. Wow. Um, and uh, you can actually make out uh, in the left part of the frame a chimney, or I'm sorry, a fireplace. It was all made of styrofoam. That's all it was. Wow. It was just a styrofoam chimney. I mean, we didn't find any remains of it there. I got that information from other people who were on the set, but that's all it was. It was just a bunch of foam piled up for that split-second shot to make it look like something was there, but it wasn't. Was there any foam left over from any kind of set pieces or anything? Yeah. Um, the, well, the trees outside of the cabin, the really big ugly looking trees you see in the movie uh-huh. they were all made of a, uh, a a foam like a resin um it was a spray on resin and actually there's a uh, shot of the cabin being built that's pretty readily available online and you can see the 55 gallon drums next to the trees that they were making well, what they would do they would build up two by fours all around the tree and just make uh, they, they take an actual tree pound a bunch of two-by-fours in it to make it wider, wrap that with chicken wire, and spray it down with this foam, and then paint it. That's cool. Well, the 55-gallon drum that was used to make the foam is actually in a picture in one of those uh, behind-the-scenes shots. I actually have that barrel. They put it inside the work shed. Man, that's that's awesome, man. So you have, you have that as well? Did you take the foam trees? I took a, a ton of the foam trees. Um, <laughs> I took the... As much as high as I could reach, I didn't realize that they, they made them almost 30 feet tall. Um, so I, I cut the bottom six-foot chunk off the one tree. So pretty much I have 180 degrees of the one tree. And the other ones got caught up in the floodwaters, and most of it just crumbled and got washed away. And there's one laying on the ground I didn't even mess with. Um so you know, actually, that that brings up another question: How much has that landscape changed? Do you think since the '80s, with the being on oh, a floodplain? If you remember the shot where Ash wakes up in the mud puddle, oh yeah, and iconic, camera, and the camera pans around, how it looks like it's all nice and clear. Yeah, uh, there's leaves laying on the ground. It's like there's a path behind him. That path is gone. The, there's a mountain of dirt in front of the cabin from all the floodwaters coming in. It's bad. Like, you can't even walk. If you were to walk out of the front door of the cabin and go 30 feet, you're you're in briar bushes. You're, you're not going any further. Wow. It's, it's, it's completely wiped out. You would never think that that movie was filmed there. Wow, that is that is amazing. It's amazing that they even had his car. If you're looking today, you're going to sit there and scratch your head and wonder how did they ever get a car back there. 
because there was another trail that went that that was cut from the front of the cabin and went out to the left of the cabin or I'm sorry to the right of the cabin out into the woods into the field you can't even I, I can't even make sense of how or where that even was because of the landscaping being so different wow that is that is that is amazing um what about uh, you think the door is your favorite uh I guess your favorite uh, thing that you've taken from the location or is there something else that you have? It is. Uh, it's one of them because it's one of the things years ago that I did once. And the main thing I did want was cabin windows. But um, talking to the owner while I was there, he had informed me of a person who had came down and taken things years ago. And throughout the years, it was a local guy. Um, when I got back home with all this stuff, two days later, and I started sending out emails of, to a couple people, you know, showing them what I did and everything. And one of them was the guy from EvilDeadChainsaws.com. Uh, I bet he was pissed he, you beat him to the punch, huh? Well, no, he beat me <laughs> to the punch. Oh, did he? he okay. There, yeah, he was there before me. He did some filming down there. Um, he actually sells a small documentary on his website. And I beat him as far as getting stuff out of there. I mean, he took what he could take back in a suitcase on a plane. Okay. I took what I could fit in a 24-foot moving truck. <laughs> <laughs> do you, now, do you ever wish you could take more? Or are you happy with what you, you were able to take from the site? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have plenty left over. Um, there's a lot that I can do with it, you know, as far as building, rebuilding things in my house. Like, I have one of the uh, Stoker 12-gauge shotguns that we use in Army of Darkness. Um, I have all the paneling off the rear hallway walls. I'm actually going to take, uh, if you look at closely at the movie where the shotgun used to hang in the hallway, it was sitting on a set of deer paws. I'm actually buying those deer paws and reconstruct building a, a mount for my shotgun to make it look like on the hallway walls is what I'm saying. Inside your house? Yeah. You know what? You're going to scare the shit out of someone if they try to... To, to rob you or something, man. They come into your home. Oh my God. They're going to see evil dead doors hanging on the walls and chainsaws and guns. <laughs> well, that was the other thing, like trying to get the door. I didn't get the door out of there. The door was already gone. And that was the next part of the story. And this is thanks to a generous person out of Norwood, North Carolina, Dave Bartruck. He, uh, I, when I was contacted by Rob, he is from evil dead He told me, he knows who has this, the doors, the window, the back door, every all the other stuff that I didn't get, even including the workshed door. Oh, okay. And, and planks from the workshed. So I called this guy, or I got a hold of him. He, he emailed me, or I emailed him. He emailed me back and told me what he had. Somehow, I convinced him to sell me everything. It costed me an arm and a leg and a chainsaw, but I got everything that he got. Man, are so you? I, do you even you want know, to say how much it how much it cost, or you want to keep that private? No, three thousand. That's not bad for a collector a collector's item like that that completes your workshed, right? Well, yeah, I mean, for the most part, three thousand a chainsaw and you know another sixteen hours on the road of going to pick <laughs> it up. So I had to go back to North Carolina. So <clears throat> I, after I paid this guy. I drove back to Norwood, North Carolina, which is about a half hour north of Wadesboro. So he's he's close to where the cabin is. I got to his house, loaded everything up. Um, my truck was filled. Uh, I have, there was the front door of the cabin. It was all the, the framing. It was one window of the cabin. 
um, with the shutters, additional shutters, um, all kinds of stuff. There's actually a, uh, additional items page on my website showing what else I got. So after I went and picked it up, I had already contacted the cabin owner to let him know I'm coming back for a second round. (laughs) So after I picked this stuff up, I headed back to that, to the cabin. Uh, this was about a month and a half after my first trip down there. And that time my I was by myself. I just took a Sawzall and a couple little tools with me. And when I was at the cabin the first time I had stripped the back wall of the cabin off and what I couldn't take, I left. I've got all that back. Um, just, I loaded my truck down with everything I could. Um, more exterior, uh, wall, uh, the, the, the entire back wall of the cabin is now stripped. Um, you name it, I got it. Even pieces, chunks of the roof from the, uh, front of the cabin. Wow. Uh, the entire awning I have, the, the awning that used to cover the front porch. One of my customers, uh, out of San Diego, him and five of his friends had told me they traveled to the Evil Dead 2 location year, probably 20 years ago. And at the time they were there, the cabin was standing and a tree had fallen down and crushed the whole front of the uh, cabin or the front front porch. So there was a tree laying along the front porch and it rotted away since. But Damn. that explains a lot of the photos of when I had seen the cabin standing, that the awning of the front porch was completely shut up, you know, crushed against the front of the house, the cabin. And you have pictures and video on your website, correct? Yeah, I got tons of them. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't have the photos of the, I, there are other photos out there that other people do have that I don't from when they went, but you're talking 20 years ago. And if the photos, you know, if they still even have, they said they do. I'd like to see them just as reference photos. Yeah, for sure. But, um, after I was able, I got all that stuff back home. I just started re-inventorying and started rebuilding the work shed. And uh, what I did was I used measurements from the uh, original uh, scour that went down to David Bartrug. He had taken measurements of the entire cabin and the entire work shed. And I had taken my measurements as well and compared them to the work shed to where I can restart reconstructing the frame for it because we had to leave the original frame there. It was rotted. So I had this bright idea of using canopy wedding, like wedding type canopy fittings to like for wedding tents and stuff. I drew it out on a piece of paper on exactly what fittings I would need for like corners and angles and stuff like that. I ordered a bunch of canopy fittings and then I ordered a bunch of, uh, chain link fencing framing metal uh tubing pretty much and was able to rebuild an entire frame of the uh work shed right in my uh right in my driveway after i built it i got it into my backyard and started re and i started putting the panel laying the panels all out for the uh the siding of the shed and what i would do i would uh lay out three panels and fuse them together with like a two by four on the back, like three of them just to make one solid panel that would go up against the shed and be zip tied to it pretty much. 
I got all the way around it until I got every board back into place. There was one board missing from the left side of the uh, work shed initially. I was able to recover it from David Bart. He actually had taken it, and there was a piece missing off of it because he had cut a piece off and sold it. But I was able to recover that entire plank and get it back to where it's supposed to be. I reconstructed the entire thing. And once I got to the front, that's where a lot of the boards were missing. So I, I placed all the boards exactly where they were supposed to go and started filling in with wood that was missing. I used the exact the, the boards that were on the back of the cabin wall. Oh, that's so cool. What they used. So even though it's not 100% original, it all came from the cabin. Yeah, that is that is super cool, man. So once all the exterior wood was back on, I was able to get the, the door went right back on the original uh the hinges lined right up with the original holes bolted it back on and then came putting the roof on which was another fun task and then i got this bright idea that I, i'm going to take this thing and show it off at shows which i've done and uh, my main goal was to i said to myself it would really be cool to take this to a show and have bruce campbell stand in front of it and be reunited with it after so many years <laughs> And I did it. That's so cool. I I was able to, I somehow was able to get into the Wizard World show out in Chicago last year. They, uh, I had a, it was a real tough time convincing them to allow me to come in midway through the show because I just started a new job and I couldn't call off work. So it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. I drove, I left work in Pittsburgh, hooked up my trailer, which I had to, uh, the work shed inside of completely dismantled. I drove all the way to Chicago and I met up with a couple of friends who helped me and a couple of customers who helped me rebuild it right inside of the wizard world show. How long that take? And, oh God. Uh, about three and a half hours. Okay. Because I mean, I, I had to help thank God, but my whole uh, basis for going to the show, the guy that ran the sh- uh, part of the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Festival, he wanted a uh, a chainsaw for a uh, award for Fred Decker, and it was called the Groovy as Hell Award. Oh, that's cool. That was, that was my payment for getting me into that show late and getting me into the show at all. So I actually built the chainsaw. I built three or four chainsaws just to display out there. I brought my own so that I can have it signed by Bruce Campbell. That's what I was going to ask you if you got it signed by Bruce Campbell. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, actually, the whole cast of Ash vs. Evil Dead signed it, so it was awesome. That's cool. And he's, man, I, you know what? I met Campbell probably 15 years ago. And now, I'm, I'm glad I met him 15 years ago because he's almost untouchable now. Like, you almost have to have, you know, you have to stand in a long line. I went to a place in Indianapolis called NetHeads. And uh, it was a place that it was right when his book came out, um, If Chins Could Kill. Um, yeah. actually got that signed and then I got a movie maniacs toy signed by him. So that was 15 years ago, man. And you know, now it's, it's, it's crazy to try to stand in a line. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, I, I stood in line for probably a good hour and a half, but it was well worth it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I it's had, definitely worth it. I actually dealt with him a lot out there. Um, every day that I was there, I, you know, I was in his presence. Um, we actually, Whenever I got back to Pittsburgh the first time from getting all the stuff out of the woods in North Carolina, 
a guy called me out of uh, Tennessee asking if he could uh, come up and he wanted to film like a documentary about it. His name is Matt Powell. I called what I did in the woods, Evil Dead Uproot. He came up to my house. He wanted to, you know, film everything and interview me on what I did. And him and his girlfriend came up. They set up in my basement and filmed everything, checked out my chainsaws. That turned into the Evil Dead documentary, the Evil Dead Uproot documentary that's going to be hopefully released this coming October. Now, are you, are you is that already funded or? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, they, we've, they've done a lot of interviews. We even uh, interviewed, they were one of the guys that helped me uh, set up out in Chicago. I met them out there. They met up with me to, you know, get set up. And they had already secured a interview with Bruce Campbell. Oh, cool. And we interviewed Bruce Campbell at Wizard World. So we got, I think it was 10 or 15 minutes on camera with him. Um, there's actually a trailer on uh, YouTube of the upcoming documentary, Evil Dead Uproot. It's pretty cool. So will we be able to see that in 2017? Should, yeah. That, that's the plan. Okay. Um, I know a lot of the stuff was halted because of uh, some of the uh, interviews down in uh, Tennessee for the original Evil Dead location were kind of screwed up, but um, I'm not on that side of it. My friend Matt and his girlfriend, they are the ones doing all the filming and the interviewing, but they traveled to, uh, they went to North Carolina and met up with another movie producer down there, Dan Sellers, and he... uh, he, they went back to the cab and they filmed after I had gone down there and everything and stripped it. And they actually got an interview with uh, the owner of the property. The, the documentary is based on uh, the filming locations of the Evil Dead series. And the stuff that they were able to dig up was unbelievable. Um, they had put up ads. The newspapers knew they were coming. Um, People had started reaching out saying, we have behind-the-scenes photos that, you know, nobody's ever seen. When I saw these photos, and you'll see them in the documentary, you will be blown away. They are awesome. Stuff at the the original uh, pits. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, just really cool stuff from uh, inside of the set for at the high school. Like... The coolest picture I saw was a picture of Bruce Campbell sitting there with his chainsaw next to his side and a little kid sitting on his lap. And the, <laughs> it was cool. awesome. Like, <laughs> and you can see the wires running up his leg for the for the chainsaw and everything. It was really neat. Now, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Evil Dead One was that a different cabin? Yeah. Okay, I thought was, so. Is that still standing anywhere that you know of? No. No, that's that was in Morristown, Tennessee. It is. It actually burned down a few years after the filming of Evil Dead. Um, what happened? Well, the cabin was originally there. It wasn't constructed for the movie. Um, I can't remember the name of the owners of the property, but my friend who's filming uh, down there is very well. He's very aware of who owns it and when they owned it. Nobody is allowed on that property. Um, they won't let it. They wouldn't even let Tom Sullivan on that property, the original uh, artist for the Book of the Dead. Wow, so it's the exact opposite story that you have. <laughs> yeah. Tennessee is, apps, is like a no-fly zone for this evil dead stuff. Yeah, they you want have... nothing to do with it. You're in the middle of the Bible Belt. <laughs> yeah. They don't. They want nothing to do with it. They, yeah, they don't you have talk cl- to anybody. They're just, I don't know why, but <laughs> you have, they try. You have Clint Eastwood out there with a shotgun saying, get off my lawn, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
it's it's that it's that kind of era but down there in north carolina it's come down and take what you want tennessee you come near us we'll kill you (laughs) well what about sam what about sam raimi have you ever met him no that's uh on my to-do list i have not got a chance to um i'm dying to though well, it would be really cool to get the work shed to cameo in Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Have Has anybody approached you, or do you think that would ever – that would be really cool, man. I would love to do it for them. Um, it would be an honor to do that, but I, I doubt it would ever happen. That would mean putting it on a boat all the way to New Zealand, <laughs> unless they film that part of it here. Um, but I was happy enough with – while I, while we were waiting for uh, Bruce to come into our interview – at uh, Wizard World in Chicago, I shut down my booth and wait. we were waiting for him. My friend who was watching my booth called me and said, Bruce Campbell was about five tables down. You need to get over here now. He's, he's walking through the floor. So I ran back as fast as I could, reset up my booth, and I, was at, and I brought my chainsaws out of the work shed, and I set them on my table. And I went back into the shed to grab something. I turn around, Bruce Campbell standing right there, like, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> was he pretty cool with you? Oh, yeah. He thought it was awesome. Um, prior to that... Was he pretty down-to-earth? Like, it's been 15 years since I've met him, you know? Was he pretty... Yeah, 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 yeah. it was awesome. He he was checking it out and thought it was pretty cool. Took pictures of me in front of it. Dude. And, I mean, he was in a hurry to get moving because the way that they do their timing out there, he has to be in one place here, and the next second he has to be there. I mean, it wasn't brief, but it was, you know, good enough for me. Yeah. But um, the, the funny part about Chicago was whenever uh, – I'd never been to a Comic-Con in my life, and that was my first one. And I was there with the work dead. <laughs> and I, there was an Ash vs. Evil Dead panel coming up that I heard about, and I didn't know it was happening, and I wanted to be in on it. So I was able to get in line, and I was real nervous because I was in the overflow line not guaranteed to get in because the X-Files was running late in the same room. Once the X-Files cleared out, I was able to get like four rows from the front of the uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead panel. And this woman in the audience asked, what do you think about the workshed being brought here? And he started talking about it. And, and this is actually on YouTube. You can, you can hear me talking to Bruce. He had said, oh, you know, he's lucky he didn't get shot. You know, you know, don't go to ten- the one in Tennessee because you will get shot, stuff like that, which <laughs> yeah. is true. And he, he he was answering this woman's question about me having permission. He's like, hey, the guy probably had permission, and um, he probably made a deal with the owners. And I stood up and yelled, I had permission. And he started talking to me back and forth, asking me the questions you're asking me. You know, how did you know where it was located? And I mean, I made it short and sweet with him, but <laughs> yeah. he asked me. He asked me in the end, "Was was this a, a well worth venture for you?" I said, "Yeah, it brought me here. Hell yeah, this, that was my goal. I, I wanted to meet him. You know, I got to talk in the audience at the panel, and it was awesome. Yeah, you're pretty much Evil Dead royalty, man. You got a piece of the. You got the freaking workshed, dude. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me a little bit about these chainsaws, man, that you make. Oh, they are a pain. <laughs> now, these are replica chainsaws, right? Say that again? This is replica chainsaws, correct? Yeah, they're exact duplicates from the movie. Um, so how'd you get that original I, design from the movie? 
I studied every single screenshot that I could to get it down pat, exactly how it was in the movie. Um, down to the little, like the Homelight XL chainsaw had different generations throughout the year. Um, when it was first built, it was made of metal. Then it came out with a plastic, bo- a painted plastic body. So it was one plastic painted red with different fuel and oil symbols on it. After that came solid red plastic with different oil filter, oil and gas symbols on the outside of it. That was the one I needed. And that was the one, that's how I reproduced it. Uh, I still, I will sell it with the uh, incorrect labels because mm-hmm. people just don't care about that kind of detail. Um, but when I went for detail, that's what I went for. So, well, I just studied every single screenshot that I could to replicate it to the best of my ability. And when I made mine, I loved it. I thought, okay, I could start building these, like I said. And it just turned into what it is now, a headache. (laughs) How how long does it take you to make one now? Right now, because of the way I work, uh, (laughs) if I, let's say I had a couple days to myself, I could knock it one out in three days. Right now, I have to build them in a series of five at a time, and it takes me about, I don't know, four to five weeks just because of the, as much as I do work with my full-time job schedule and my part-time job schedule. It's it's chaos. Yeah. I was going to say because I was actually looking to order one, and right now they're out of stock. I they're, They are, but they're not. The reason they're out of stock is because when as backed up as I am right now, I still have 13 to build. Three of them Man. are from my uh, Kickstarter campaign as rewards, and another three of them are rewards that I gave to people in Chicago. I ran a raffle out there, and I was only supposed to be one chainsaw, but I made so much money out there, I said, to hell with it. I'm just going to get three away. Wow. So I, I gave one to a little kid that was up on stage with Bruce that stole the audience. It was awesome. That's so cool, dude. And um, I, I picked two winners instead of one out of the raffle. So I said, so I have right now 13 to do. I'm also reconstructing the, I already built my own, uh, the clock that was sat in the uh, living room of the evil dead cabin. Yeah. Um, I reproduced that. I have. Now have you, have you, have you put, have you put, I'm sorry. Have you put pieces of wood into that, into the clock from like the cabin or anything? No, I, I, I replicated it to a T. I didn't want to uh, use that wood just because that, it takes a lot of wood to build that clock. It's about 12 feet of uh, pine wood to build it. And I didn't want to just trash what I had to like build that into the clock. Yeah. And plus, I wanted the clock to look, you know, spot on the movie. And I would never get the, the texture down or anything like that, sanded deep enough into the wood because... The wood from the cabin is so rotted and falling apart. Yeah, yeah. It would look like crap. Yeah, true. But you know what? So, I, I have to ask you too, man, because, man, everything you did from tearing down the, the work shed to, you know, you just, it sounds like you know your stuff. It sounds like you're very educated on uh, just carpentry in general. So did you go to school for this? No, I went to school for computer forensics. That's what I do for a living. Okay. Because man, I mean, most people would be faced with getting permission, and and then they would say yes, and then they'd be like, "Where do I start now?" <laughs> you know. But it sounds like you really you had a you had a good plan. It seems like you know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up building like tinkering around with cars and stuff like that. I built my first car when I was 17. I built another one when I was 22. Mustangs. I was really into that, which taught me how to weld and be real, pretty much hands-on mechanical. 
and you know how to put stuff together so when i'm thinking in my mind okay i could do this this and this to get this it's simple for me i know sitting there looking at one of these chainsaws like oh man how do you build that top lid i started studying screenshots and drawing out templates and 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 you know bending metal till i got it right yeah do you have to do 3d printing or anything with that yeah, the original um, grill on my chainsaw, I uh, I hired a graphics design. I actually went to my old high school, and I found out they had a 3D printer. And I asked the instructor if who the best student in the class was. I went to this kid. I paid him to make me a 3D print or a, a 3D file of the, the side grill. I told him exactly how I wanted it. He came out. It came out perfect. Wow, that's and, neat. I was 3D printing them for a while. I was spending a lot of money to have them printed, too, because I would buy 20 at a time at $7 a piece. Wow. I recently, thanks to Chris Polak, thank you, buddy, he, <laughs> this guy, a customer of mine over in Indiana, actually, oh, cool. he, he actually went and uh, casted one of my uh, grills from resin. He made me two molds and sent them to me and pretty much taught me over the phone how to do it. So I started actually cast cold casting these out of uh, resin and uh, with aluminum powder mixed into them. Wow. So there's no more painting them. There's no more ridges in, in the uh, grills or anything. They're smooth. They're nice and solid. And it's just a lot cheaper to make them that way. And they're actually stronger than the 3D print because the 3D prints are hollow on the inside. So, so And they look 100% better. So I'm very grateful for, you know, just people stepping up and helping for no particular reason. So if any of our listeners want to buy um, one of these chainsaws, I noticed there's two. There's the Groovy Edition and the Witch Carver Edition. Can you tell us the difference between those? Yeah, the Groovy Edition is the first chainsaw in Evil Dead 2 that you'll see. It's the one he builds inside of the work shed. Uh, It has a flat metal top on it. And the reason they did that, they're showing Ash build this chainsaw in the work shed, is because of the comp- how complex it is to put uh, together the one with the top lid, which is the witch car. Like I said, the groovy edition has that flat metal top on it. Um, it's not hard to build and they did it just for camera, you know, camera trick. After you see him start the chainsaw, he's holding the witch carver and that's what, everybody usually goes for okay from the only time you ever see the groovy edition is on the bench in, in the work in the work shed okay. he's building when it's in his hand it has that top elongated lid on top of it to make it look like it's contoured to the bottom that's the one that you he's using in ash versus evil dead army of darkness and from the point on when he's fighting henrietta in evil dead 2 so if we go to your site we want the witch carver Oh yeah, definitely. That's what everybody goes for, and it's the long. It's, it's the hardest to build because the top lid on that thing. I know there's guys out there to try to cast them out of plastic or in, in aluminum. It's a three-piece welded design on how I do it. I bondo over all the seams, sand it down so it's seamless, and then paint it to the. I have a, a paint that I have made to match the uh, paint of the chainsaw, the color of the chainsaw. So, so everything runs together perfectly. So right now it says out of stock, but will it still let us order chainsaws from your site? 
It shouldn't. <laughs> okay, um, I was going to say, I didn't think it would let you uh, put anything in the shopping cart. If anybody wants to order something, right, like right now, uh, I would just tell them to send, it says right on the homepage, send me an email. Okay. I'll put you on a list. It's um, it, it's going to be a while. It's probably going to be another four months just to get done what I have. Because um, like I said, I'm backed up on 13 right now. I'm working on five. That I have enough. I still. I'm. I don't even have enough chainsaw bodies right now to fill the orders that I have. I'm still buying chainsaw bodies, and the world is running out of them because they're getting <laughs> harder to find. Well, I can't wait, man. I can't wait to, to buy one of these off of you. You should see my studio. I got stuff all over. I bought a um, a Freddy Krueger glove off. Of, I think it's RazorGloves.com, and yeah. and it took about. I'd say three or four months to get my glove, you know, and you, you look at the forums and some people could just be complete dicks, you know, like, where's my glove? Where's my glove? You know, some really yeah, cool stuff I takes get, time. I get a lot of that. They don't understand that. Like number one, I have two jobs. Okay. I, well, back probably six months ago, I had recently left one job. I was a police officer and working full time in the city of Pittsburgh. Man. By the time I get home from the city of Pittsburgh at night, I'm relaxing. I don't build the chainsaws till the weekends. But then I just took on another part-time police job. So I'm also doing that on the side as well. Wow. I lost the evil dead stuff. Like, I don't have time to breathe or live. Because all day today, I was sand- I actually sanded and uh, sculpted the 800 remaining dice for the evil dead 2. Oh, man. I want some of those dice, man. Those dice look awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. I'm not the one doing the engraving on them. They're sending them out to do that. All I'm doing is cutting, sanding, and shipping. Wow. That all came from, you know, the original wood. And that was the other hard part of that project was finding wood that wasn't so rotted to use. Yeah. It was it was challenging. But I actually cut the 2,000th piece today, and I have 500 left to sand, and I'm done. So you don't even have time to podcast, do you? <laughs> you don't even have time to podcast, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's I awesome. Uh, I mean, my weekends, I'm in my basement working if I'm not sleeping, like, or if I'm, or if I'm not at work. Because you, talk, you talked about that Evil Dead clock there for a couple minutes. Is yeah. that, that, that something we can't pick up yet? Are you just still in those, you know, trying to finalize that design? I have two pre-orders for them. Um, I'm still... No, the design's finalized. It's okay. finding the time to get started on it. Yeah, for sure. I already started on two for two people that I owe them to. Um, I had sold one out in Chicago where I advertised my prototype. Um, it will be available. I just don't know when okay. I'm getting there. It's my main goal. Um, I have all the measurements. I have all the ma- all the measurements for that clock came from an original clock. That is so awesome, man. I, everything that I have is dead on. Man, and you're making was, you're making Ash's mechanical hand. Um, no, I'm not making a mechanical hand. Okay. I'm not getting into no. I'm not getting into copyright issues with stars for that hand. Um, I was going to, but just to make that hand would take me. I couldn't even tell you how long. Okay. So just to kill the stress of it, I just you know abandoned that project. If I ever do it, I'll build myself one, but. I don't need stars, lawyers calling me, telling me I'm doing copyright infringement and everything else. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I'm a, I'm a collector. I have a piece of the JCPenney's Escalator from Dawn of the Dead. I mean, I went to, to the Monroeville Mall. Um, I've been all over the place, man. Freddy Krueger gloves. How can I get a piece of, of, of dice or cabin or anything? Is there any way to get anything like that? 
Yeah, just ask me for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, g- I got a ton of it. Yeah, what well, what can I get? What can I get, man? I mean, anything, dude. I don't care if it's like a sliver. I don't care if it's a splinter from anything. Oh, I got uh, I got all the window glass. I got um, all the roofing. Well, not all the roofing, but I got a ton of the cabin roofing, the rear hallway walls, all the floorboards. Um, yeah, people call me all the time asking you know for stuff, and they. Uh, it's not that I charge a lot for it. It's it's the fact that it's it mainly goes toward donations for like so that I can buy more chainsaw parts and everything because I don't make a lot of money. Uh, Three hundred fifty dollars sounds like a lot of money for a chainsaw, but when you're putting two hundred and fifty into each one, yeah, about, I mean, one I can chainsaw imagine. bar will run me thirty five dollars. Then I got to buy a chain. Then if I'm missing parts, one gas cap for a Homelite XL, a brand new one, is seventeen dollars. Wow. So like I don't I don't go and cast those parts. They're all legit. They come in home light, genuine, you know, bags. Um, even like the uh, the studs to hold the chainsaw bars on. I, I even use the motors from the uh, chain from the actual chainsaw for the, uh, the for for the exterior pieces to hold the chainsaw bar on. Even the sprockets are original. So if I buy a chainsaw that doesn't have a motor, I have to buy a motor. If it doesn't have gas caps or gas tanks, for that matter. I need to buy those because I need the threaded pieces to screw the cap on. Wow. I need, so pretty much every piece of the chainsaw, except for 90% of the motor, I use. And like I said, they're getting harder and harder to find. Wow. Yeah, we'll talk after this episode, man. We'll make a deal. I gotta, I gotta get something. I gotta get a splinter or something, man, for the man cave here. But, oh, uh, that's not gonna be a problem. Where can we, uh, so what's what's in the future for you, man? Just more work, <laughs> more salt, uh, more uh, sanding? <laughs> Yeah, right now my fingertips are down to nothing. Um, literally, like I, I sanded all of the skin off of the front of my three fingers today. Um, so, is there, is there anything we can be back to building chainsaws? Uh, is there anything we can do? Is there anything Video Land can like help you like kickstart? You have a Kickstarter campaign? Anything? I did a long time ago for whenever I was actually uh, planning to take the shed to different shows. I had taken it to I think six shows so far. Um, and it was all thanks to the Kickstarter because the main reason for the Kickstarter was to fund me to get a enclosed trailer to put this stuff in and the rewards for donating was, and still donations roll in. That's how I get the donations that I make are for cabin wood. So anybody who pretty much emails me says, Hey, how can I get this? How can I get that? They said, I said, it's pretty much a donation. The higher the donation, the more, you know, you get, um, and the Kickstarter actually ended up getting funded, and I was able to buy a 16-foot enclosed trailer to pull this thing around. I even had to go and buy a new vehicle. I had to buy a new truck. <laughs> Jeez. I can imagine, man. It's not cheap doing this. No, it wasn't. And uh, like I said, a lot of this stuff, it's, it's either out-of-pocket or fan donations. I don't make tons of money off of this stuff. That's why I said, even when I was in Chicago, I walked out of, out of uh, Wizard World making $2,000 just on photo ops. Yeah. That went into fuel, chainsaws, give, and that's why I gave away additional chainsaws because I didn't expect to make that much money. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Though. It sounds like you're giving back to the fans too. It's not there's I could see some people just taking ownership of the cabin and just you know doing their own thing with it. But man, especially said you gave that young kid a chainsaw. I mean, that's something that that kid's gonna remember forever. Yeah, well, he doesn't have it yet, but it's coming. <laughs> that's that's super cool, <laughs> it's, man. It's getting there. Um, yeah, but that's the whole reason I did it too because. 
getting down to that property is so restricted because they're so sick of people coming down there. They love the fact that I was coming down there to get all that stuff out of there. So it would be somewhere else in the public's eye or in the evil, the fans of the evil dead so that it could be seen and not, you know, worried about traveling to go uh, and hike through the woods to, to steal a piece of wood. You know, if they want a piece of wood, call me, send me 20 bucks. I'll send you a piece of the floor, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. Like I, there's evil dead wood all over the country. Now there's evil dead wood internationally. Um, there's a ton of it in Australia because I'm, that's it's, I'm distributing it everywhere. Man, I tell you what, man, I I don't say this lightly, man. I say, I think the future of horror, you know, isn't like some of the new movies coming out in 2017, 2018. I think the future of horror is sharing the past, you know? Um, People like yourself, man, and, you know, making chainsaws and, you know, taking the shed out for for tours. And there's people like, there's a guy in a UK named Gary Smart who just made a Fright Night documentary. I'm a huge Fright Night fan. Uh, probably my favorite movie of all time. He did a documentary on that. These these guys making razor, you know, gloves from, from uh, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's stuff like that, man, is the future of horror. I think sharing that the past, man. I'd, so I just want to thank you for just taking the time and just being a fan and geeking out, dude. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I mean, I'm still not done, and I probably never will be. I mean, it drives my wife absolutely crazy. Oh, I can I can only imagine. <laughs> I mean, I had to buy. I have a six foot uh, wide or an eight foot wide, six foot tall glass display case that I bought from an old library. It used to hold uh, artwork for kids that made kids making artwork and stuff. That is now my Evil Dead Two display case, <laughs> and I don't even have room for it. <laughs> you know, is there any other horror movies that are, that are out there that you love and respect that you would like to have a piece of the past? Nope, that's it. That's it. Evil <laughs> Dead, Evil huh? Dead. I don't know why. I think it's. I think it's because of the way Evil Dead was filmed, um, and the little bit of comedy that went into it and everything, and you know how Sam Raimi is and how and how bad he, you know, how he beat Bruce up. I just, I love the behind the scenes stuff. That's what makes the movie for me. Yeah, is how did they get there? I mean, when you, if I didn't know the backstory of how Evil Dead 2 was filmed and, you know, stuff like that, like, yeah, it's a great movie. I love it. But I love it even more knowing what's going on behind the scenes and the little camera tricks and the little stupid stuff that Sam Raimi would do, like whenever he was going back and forth with Wes Craven, hanging the Freddy glove on the wall of the work shed <laughs> and in the basement of the cabin during the filming. So you can see it in there. Like, stuff like that, like, it's funny to me. And this is what I'm talking about, the future of horror, by reminding us of the past. Like, I've seen Evil Dead 2 a thousand times, man. I can't, I want to shut this podcast off and go in the living room and pop in Evil Dead 2, <laughs> you know? So it, it rejuvenates um, these these older movies, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. It, I mean, when you watch it today, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, to me, every time I watch it, it's new. Yeah. Because I'm always looking for stuff behind the camera like what's going on here what's going on there and you know, I'll, I'll watch it frame by frame like even when ash is being chased through the house if you watch it frame by frame somebody next to the cameraman is using a two by four to push the doors open <laughs> that's cool like stuff like that like i love that um and, and looking what's really cool is looking at the footage to today and looking to see what I have in my basement, like everybody who's getting the, the dice for the Evil Dead 2 board game, they can say, wow, like 
this movie filmed that long ago, I have a piece of it now. Yeah, that is so cool. So, and it'll live on forever. That's what I'm saying. Like, you'll have something to always remember that movie. And that that's so true, man. Like, I have... Um, my my top three horror films of all time is Fright Night, um, Dawn of the Dead, the original, and um, you know Evil Dead Two. And I have a I went to I took my son to Pennsylvania Monroeville Mall, and uh, it was really funny, man. Like we knew that the the Monroeville Mall was the filming location. It's changed you know drastically since since the day. And uh, we went up to go see my mother in law, and I took my son, and uh, just by chance, man. Um, we looked in, I forget what it was. I think we went over to the mall just to see it. It was the first thing we did. I mean, like, I think it was like nine o'clock at night and we found out that they were doing a screening inside the mall in the old gift shop that they had at the Monroeville mall for, for Donnelly dead. And, um, just, just completely luck. And my son and I sat there and watched Donna the dead in the Monroeville mall. That's cool. Yeah, and so actually I bought a piece of the Escalator, and now I have a Dawn of the Dead poster signed by Romero. Met him last year, and I have a piece of the Escalator from J.C. Penney's attached to the poster. So it's things like that that just, man, I love. I think it's, I don't know, it it, it fuels that, that creativity, especially when I'm doing outlining podcasts or, you know, just having this stuff around me just, just makes me feel good. Well, if, you, if you're interested, uh, the original Elevator Doors, uh, I can't remember what scene it came from, but uh, I know who has the original elevator doors and the entire escalator. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's actually up in Evans City, Pennsylvania, the owner of uh, the Living Dead Museum. Yeah, that, they just... They, museum. Yeah, did, and I think they just moved the Monroeville Mall gift shop to Evansville, didn't they? Evans City? I'm not sure. Um, but that I, I do know where the, 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 the elevator doors and everything, they still have the original... Uh, set dressing blood on it so and it's and again it's, it's people like you who are are letting the letting the, the past you know, come back alive and it blows my mind that the monroeville mall you know they they couldn't keep the dawn of the dead store open um so they had to move it back i think it was to evansville i'm pretty sure that um uh, but now there's not a there's not a gift shop in there you know and that's that's sad to me that you can't go to monroeville mall the zombie capital of the world you can't go to a gift shop in that mall you know that's that's not that's not good but anyway thank you very much for taking the time tonight man i know you're busy and i really appreciate it like i said we've been trying to do this since september i think of last year and i i just got away from the the heart of video land and that's talking movies every thursday with friends and i had to kind of slow down on the interviews and uh I haven't done an interview since the, yeah, you were the last one that I was going to do. And I was like, you know what, man, it's like, I'm, out of all the interviews, like, I got to talk to this guy because his story sounds so awesome. Hey, it's no problem at all. I love talking about it. Right on, man. Where can they find you? EvilDeadWorkshed.com. And my, you can just uh, go to contact me and it'll send it right to my personal email address. Right on. You can find us on Adventures in Video Land, Facebook, and our website. So until next time, my good people, peace out.